what is fascinating about partisans. They were trying to lure people uh, to join them by all means by the propaganda itself and the narrow sense of the term but they very early they learned that the best propaganda is to entertain people almost every partisan unit had theater group and every theater group had choir and at the same time they had few instrumentalists and in that way they tried to send a message to to the people and they think that their right uh, for culture is a very essential for the partisan movement this is claiming beethoven We portrayed a group of international musicologists and historians examining aspects of propaganda, collaboration, resistance, persecution and exile to learn about the distortion of historiography and the relevance for our own present times. This podcast by Michael Custodis and his team at the University of Münster is related to the project the role of Beethoven in his music in Nazi-occupied European countries. It's my pleasure to welcome to our podcast Claiming Beethoven, Tatiana Chunko, a colleague from Croatia. Uh, we're speaking this time on the internet. So, Tatiana, first of all, a very warm welcome. Thanks that you're joining time with us. So with a few words, first of all, I'd like to introduce you. Uh, Tatiana is a musicologist and a trained journalist from Croatia, mostly, if I'm correct, around based around Zagreb. And after many years working also for the Croatian radio, you turned more and more to research and to musicology. And already for several years, you're working at the Zagreb Academy of Music uh, in the division for the history of Croatian music. Before we get into detail with your contribution to our project, I think for our listeners we should summarize a few details both concerning the music life in Croatia during the Second World War and also including the research history of Croatian music life and Croatian musicology. So first of all, what do we know of the music life during the Second World War in Croatia, because Croatia was a very young state, at the same time, I guess, a very proud state, concerned with their own national and cultural identity, and all of a sudden, Croatia was back in a situation of war, collaboration, occupation, partisans, a lot of contradictions, a lot of circumstances, so a mix-up of many topics. So maybe you could clear the picture for us, first of all. For the beginning, I think we should start with the end of the First World War, when Croatia became a part of the kingdom of the Slovenians, Croatians and Serbs for a very short time. After that, in the same year, 1918, it became a part of the kingdom of Yugoslavia, and it stayed the part of it until the breakout of the Second World War. And And uh, about two years before of the beginning of the Second World War in Croatia, there was a sort of mixture of uh, states which was in the Croatia. It was called Banovina Hrvatska, Banos 
Croatia, in which the Croatians had a little more autonomy concerning Yugoslavia than ever before. But everything was ended in the 1941 when Germany attacked Yugoslavia and Yugoslavia capitalized and um, became another period for Croatia. It was on 10th April 1941 proclaimed uh, independent state of Croatia, uh, which was not independent at all, because it was divided on three occupational zones. It was divided between Hungarians who helped Germans to conquer Croatia. Then most of the Croatia was occupied by Germans and the other, the southern and um, western part of Croatia was occupied by Italians. And um, and uh, this part of uh, German occupation zone, uh, from the start, they have collaborators in Ustasha movement, but they had from the very beginning partisans who were trying to fight them and uh, to fight for truly independent state of Croatia, which they succeeded in with the help of the allies in 1945. So a lot going on, mostly concerned with a lot of violence, with attacks, with a lot of fighting. Where does music come into the picture? Because obviously music is a part of everyday life. I was researching mostly Zagreb, cultural and musical life. Zagreb was relatively peaceful, untouched with the war. The war was led around the capital of Croatia. So in Zagreb, uh, there was relatively normal cultural life with um, relatively lots of concerts. Every institution which existed before the war followed the, their work. So just uh, leading people changed and some names changed. For instance, Radio Zagreb was called Radio Station Zagreb from 1926 until 1941. Then it was renamed to Hrvatski Krugoval. It was almost untranslatable <laughs> into the modern language. Uh, it was a very ancient, very description of what radio is. Literal uh, translation would sound like um, uh, circling waves, creation circle waves, something like that. And I like to use an old English uh, version for the radio that's wireless, so creation wireless. It's similarly old-fashioned. So as much as music could continue, was music a very political field or was music more some, uh, also a world of its own for distraction. So was it somewhat, was the music life itself brought into all the political aspects that happened at that time, or was music more a distance aspect of culture? Ustashas had their own uh, vision of Croatian culture and uh, they gave some leading notes to the uh, general public and to the creators of uh, art, artistic works. And of course, the national aspect was in four for the Ustashas. Then I learned that they ceased to play or broadcast Russian music 
and so on. But uh, it was not so restrained so much. And you, to our project, you contributed a highly fascinating example, um, reminding that we're not only speaking of collaboration, of propaganda, or of persecution and exiled musicians and different aspects of what else happened at that time, but um, you reminded us that there is also a very strong resistance movement in a lot of those countries. And often we associate resistance in a sense of a military resistance, somehow with the bombardment of train tracks or with industrial facilities but there was also very often a strong cultural aspect of resistance maybe you would like to summarize because we are highly fascinated i remember at the workshop in bonn when you summarized those aspects and we couldn't somehow believe how different uh, the picture became so uh, let's bring uh, the partisans into the game so, from 1943 to 1944, there were about 600 theatre groups connected with partisans on the liberated territory or on the occupied territories. And uh, that's what is fascinating about partisans. They were trying to lure people uh, to join them by all means by the propaganda itself in the narrow sense of the term but they very early they learned that the best propaganda is to entertain people's sort of way so they tried to form with every partisan unit almost every partisan unit had with it in around it small or bigger theater group and every theater group had choir or the same theater group made a choir if they could sing whoever could sing was a member of the choir and at the same time they had few instrumentalists for accompaniment or for the case when as uh, as is, is the case with the one of our protagonists of our story of, of the ballet on the beethoven's piano sonata movements when they couldn't uh, play with them in the movement or when they were moving, uh, but every time they conquered a city or a small town or a village where there were, uh, was a piano, but they called pianists. Let's, let's join us, uh, we are here and there, and uh, we shall prepare an evening with your repertoire. Just tell us what uh, you would like to play. And in that way, they tried to send a message to, to the people that they were fighting for them, and they think that their right uh, for culture is very essential for the partisan movement. Before we get deeper and deeper into this fascinating example, I would like to um, ask back, how did you learn about this you know, musical involvement with the partisans? Because I guess with moving units of partisans, it was difficult somehow to document what they did. Because such a reconstruction is very tricky because you only have some fragments of things that happened. So what do you know about all the circumstances? 
there was a national anti-fascist council of the national liberation of croatia established so it was like government on the liberated territory and they had all facilities as a, as a true government so they had ministry sort of ministry for the culture so they tried to record everything what was happening on the field and they have a very good uh, communication between the scattered units on the territory uh, sometimes it took one two or three days to to get the message or to receive the answer but they were very connected the main source for what was happening uh, with the music and the partisans were memories of the musicians themselves but you know what's like with the memories you always uh, had to confirm that memories and uh, that is my main task now there were several books of uh, materials published during 870s 80s and 90s with the documents from the archives and of course the main resource for the information but after i learned which names should i trying to find or which places or which units to uh, to find its creation state archive and creation zagreb archive too um so um that's very interesting that the partisan authorities somehow regarded culture being so important that it was not only sort of troop entertainment, truppenbetreuung, or just during the evenings, but that culture must have been, as you said, a central means somehow to keep up mutual spirit of resistance to unite people and of course music was very important to them but that means somehow as you said we're speaking of all kinds of music of folk songs of classical repertoire maybe also popular music uh, of the time so whenever musicians somehow brought in their repertoire it became part of the musical scene right Yes, they're usually prepared a mixed programs at the beginning because the radio exists it is existed in Croatia from 1926 but at as a poor country there were not so many radio receivers in in the villages so the first part of this mixed programs of partisans cultural troops or groups uh, was uh, were news so they told what's new what happened in russia and the other parts of croatia in other parts of the world that was always one of the members of the group was the one who had to listen to the news to collect them for the next meeting or the next evening they had something like an information service as well Sort of, but uh, they were okay. sort of independent. <laughs> the members of partisan movement, especially the members of cultural troops in the partisan movement, were not communists. The least were communists because there were not not so many communists in Croatia, and they were at the leading positions. The, the members of the groups were simple actors or singers or players, were not so skilled with the other things, 
but art. And then after the news, uh, get the cultural part uh, of the evening with one act, plays with a choir singing. And the most um, popular part of the evening was, of course, dance at the end for everyone. So that was the moment when partisans and their public who was sometime with suspicion sitting uh, or staying and watching them. So they uh, finally get together and uh, get to know each other better. But the thing was with the partisan movement, especially the local partisan movement, that in those military groups, they were locals. Partisans like to be in the between the people they know very well because they were very dependable on their help in food and information and everything. So there were not so many occasions when the group was uh, acting in front of totally uh, unknown people in the public. Okay. Um, and now, where does Beethoven come into the picture? Because you had a look at different programs and you had a fascinating example. And um, I was still wondering if this summer is an exception or if also classical European summer modes of cultural traditions were also brought in. So where is Beethoven? I was surprised myself when I found that in June 1944, at the first Congress of Cultural Workers of Croatia, in a little town Toposko, which was liberated in that time, I found that was a ballet played on the several movements of unknown Beethoven piano sonatas. The reason for that choice came from the adapters of that ballet. It was a solo ballet, so for one dancer and the pianist accompaniment. Two of them get together only a month before the, they performed that ballet in front of the, their colleagues. So it was the first a Congress of Culture workers and it was organized by National Anti-Fascist Council of the National Liberation of Croatia, so the Croatian government or its uh, Ministry for Culture, because they had to prepare themselves to uh, what, what will happen with them and with the government and with the state of Croatia after the war. So that Congress was held three days and every Every day had a political program with um, all sorts of um, speaks about uh, what will happen after the war and a cultural program with all sorts of um, theater plays, uh, choir, singing and two ballets. First ballet was what we should expect from partisans, several dances on folk choreographed and danced by cultural members of the cultural or the theater group. But uh, this ballet was something very special. I think Franjo Horvat, who 
danced and made a choreography of the ballet and who chose the piano movements, he wanted to make something special, something different than the other ballet who was already performed. And he, of course, knew that it will be performed during the same Congress. Franjo Horvat was taught in modern ballet dancing in Zagreb, some time between 1937 and 1941, uh, when he was a pupil or student of the state training school for teachers. After he finished fourth grade of the, the school, he was 21 and it was uh, 1941 and he was mobilized. It was obligatory mobilization for everyone who was uh, born in 1920 and 1921. And he was mobilized. That is the fact I learned only the day before. Uh, he was uh, mobilized in a regular Croatian army, which was called Domobrani. They were not Ustashas. Ustashas were somehow elite, political and military elite. And uh, he had to spend there two years. And after that, in 1943, he joined partisan movement. And uh, he joined on the mountain of Kalnik, uh, where one uh, theater group was active then at first. And in 1944, he came to Toposko, and there he joined a central theater group of uh, National Anti-Fascist Council of the National Liberation of Croatia. So it was first main professional uh, theater group in Croatia in partisan part of the Croatia. The other participant of that ballet was uh, pianist Danica Ogrizovic, who was 15 years older than Franjo. Franjo was so 24. In 1944, Danica joined partisans in 1943 with her husband, who was a Jew and who was before that arrested and kept for a while in one concentration camp. And when they released him, he knew that he had or leave the country or join partisan movement. And she followed him. And uh, they were, they joined the National Liberation Committee in town of Bielovar. And from there, she went to Toposkov to be a participant of Congress of Cultural Workers as a pianist. And she was a teacher before the war from 1928 until uh, the music school of uh, Musikverein in Bielovar was abolished by the Germans. And uh, so they uh, somehow get together in Toposkov and they, I think they met for the first time, but the figure who was the one who joined them together was Danica's uh, younger brother, Bogdan Grizovic, who was for the Franjo, famous and beloved teacher of mathematics in his secondary school in Zagreb. For the others and for the partisan movement, he was a, a hero because he was a leading figure of the Zagreb communist movement and in 1943 he was hanged by Ustashas. And I think this ballet was sort of memory for Bogdan Ogrizovic, for this person who was a link between Danica and Franjo. So it seems that playing Beethoven for this occasion, for such ceremony, also to somehow honor 
a fighter who was killed by some of their opponents, picking Beethoven's music must have been a very distinct choice. Do you have any idea what Beethoven represented in this context? Was it just standard European repertoire or was it also this idea what we learned from other colleagues to defend Beethoven as European heritage against the ideological claiming by the Germans and the fascists? Do you know anything about why especially Beethoven's music was chosen? I think they chose Beethoven because they find in his music the message which they want to spread and uh, the message is in the title of the ballet slavery struggle and victory so beethoven music was used in a very symbolic uh, sense of the uh, meaning and i'm trying to um, find which movements of which sonatas could be chosen or, or played in that occasion because I have until now I've got a picture of which Sonatas Danica could have learned and played during her study at the Zagreb mm. Music Academy from 1926 to 1931 when she so so the reasons also could be because it was repertoire she already had learned at some other point in her career so that it was that, that she was able to memorize or, or somewhat to repeat repertoire she'd already learned. I know that you're still at the beginning of researching your topic, but do you already have an idea about the importance or the fame of that Beethoven used to have in the 1920s and 30s? Because of course, 1927, the centennial of Beethoven's death, 100 years earlier, for many European countries was a highlight, for others not. So was Beethoven a huge figure within the creation cultural life during those years? Do you already have an idea? No, I, I don't have. I must say I had to research uh, further, but Croats were not immune to the Beethoven's music no matter of ideology. You're absolutely right. I, I just thought you within such a short term you already got so deep in many details of this fascinating summer aspect of our project. I thought there are many summer points you will have to follow. What I also would like to learn is the historiography of, as you said, uh, of the partisan movement of the Second World War, but of Croatian musicale in general, because as we know, after the Second World War, Yugoslavia wasn't an ideological independent country, but instead it was a very complicated you know, a mixture of different languages and cultures and um, identities. And you said the historiography of the partisans somehow started in the 1970s and 80s, but I just assume that you still have to make a lot of groundwork to somehow reconstruct the music history of the Second World War. So can you summarize a little bit also or to bring the history of musicology in Croatia in synchronicity with those topics? I guess it's a very new topic for you, right? 
until I started to research the, what was happening with the radio, not just broadcasting, but the radio public concerts of the radio ensembles, not just from 1941. I started with the establishing of the radio in 1926 and finished with uh, uh, 2010. That was year when I started to uh, write my um, dissertation. I was the only one who uh, was uh, researching that period. Either musicologist researched the uh, first part of the 20th century or the second part, but this part uh, from 1941 to 1945 was just um, like you said in the first podcast, um, grounded with the silence. No one's serious wanted to write about that. They were published some articles or books about this period, but it was very ideologically colored. So it has always, we have to have some time, some um, period to, to pass before we uh, try to research our subject. And uh, after the 1990s, after uh, Croatia proclaimed independence for the second time in its history, and this time for, for real, there was a renewal of the interest of the period, but and the period after the Second World War uh, in critical uh, view, so as scholarly research should be. For certain countries, especially in Eastern Europe, addressing our topic of the ideological claiming of cultural history still is or again is very controversial. And as we know, Croatia had to experience another very tragic time of war uh, in the late 20th century, already a few decades ago, but still very present. So there is a strong neo-nationalist movement across Europe nowadays, but you have so many different political aspects that join your own work where historiography is distorted by political aspects. How controversial is it or is it easy for you to uh, carry out your research? I don't have any problems with carrying my research, but I feel I am pretty alone with my interest in partisans. But there are some historiographers who are writing about this period. I found one colleague, a theater historian, historian she is, she helped me finding a diary of this central theater group because I, in her article, which I found on internet, she wrote about the diary. I couldn't find an archive where it should be. She cited where she found it and I, I couldn't find it at all. So that's why we met the first time. And uh, she is the one who is writing about uh, uh, theatre companies in partisan and theatre in National Theatre in Zagreb. So covering this period. And when I was, when I asked her how come she uh, chose this period she said to me because no one wants to write about it <laughs> so someone should <laughs>
I guess you would agree that we keep on learning with our project. Uh, I keep on learning constantly so many different aspects of music history, of the reception of classical repertoire, but also of the mingling of the melange of uh, music and politics. Um, so do you already, do you have certain expectations, surprises you're looking forward to in the context of uh, our project? Because what I appreciate most is the comparative aspect that we have so many different countries involved, so many different languages and so many nice colleagues that are so easy accessible that it's so easy to learn from so many different comparative positions. So what about your expectations, your challenges, your surprises? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the the biggest surprise I survived already. That's better than partisans. <laughs> so uh, I, I um, am looking forward to, together with you and all the other colleagues, to make a list, a network of all the participants uh, in that big picture you imagined. So, reception of uh, Beethoven, playing Beethoven in this period, the reception of Beethoven, critical reception of what happened then in today how we look at it. There are different views, I think, at, at the same subject and um, other countries, European countries. And I'm looking forward to help to to get the, the whole picture. I'm looking forward to learn as much as possible about the reception of Beethoven in Croatia and uh, in other countries. Dear Tatiana, it was a pleasure talking to you. I was talking to Tatiana Chunko, the dear colleague, the musicologist from Zagreb, joining our project. It was a pleasure talking to you that you somehow explained so many different aspects of a region of the European cultural landscape that's so important to bring into the picture. So Tatiana, for today, thanks so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to continue uh, learning from you and discussing with you. Thank you very much for your invitation again and greetings from Zagreb. That's my pleasure. If you're interested to learn more about Tatiana and her work, visit her website at the Croatian Academy of Sciences and Arts. If you're interested to learn more about our project, visit musicandresistance.net. And of course, if you like, follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our podcast, Claiming Beethoven. For today, Tatiana, it was a pleasure talking to you. This podcast was presented by Michael Custodes and his team. Francesco Bruno took care of editing, sound design and production.